This is Your Working Life, a podcast that provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. I'm a speaker and author and an executive coach. And today I am so excited to welcome Elan Kane to the show. Elan will share and discuss how she uses innovation to create high performance collaboration for teams. Ellen, welcome. Thank you, Caroline. I'm really excited to be here with you today. Oh my goodness, I am so thrilled. I was chatting with you before we started the show and telling you when your book arrived, I was like a little girl on Christmas morning. It is such a great book because it is delicious to look at, to read, but it's experiential. And that's what we're going to dive in today. This is something that uh, we learn by doing. So I'm very excited to unpack that with you. So Ellen, your expertise is innovation. And I would love for you to help this global audience first understand What is innovation and why is it important for us in the world of work? So innovation is ultimately about change. And uh, as you all know, we know well that is changing really fast right now. And, uh, and so we have to change the way we see the world. We have to change uh, the way we work and we have to come up with uh, new uh, products, services, experiences, whether we are a solo entrepreneur or a big company, it is, um, it is inevitable. And yet, um, we, um, my joke is that uh, everybody want to innovate and nobody knows how to. And it's really about process and tool and thinking and how do we think together where we want to create something new. That's why I love this topic because there's so much there. I agree. It's so multi-layered. And, and you're right. The word innovation is very trendy. A lot of people use that when they describe their work. But I would argue that not everybody is actually being innovative. So I'd like to start unpacking uh, innovation regarding teams. That's really a sweet spot for you. And you emphasize the importance of innovation with teamwork. So where do we start? How does having a well-coordinated team influence innovation? So the first thing is I think innovation is complex and uh, we need multiple perspectives. And it's why, uh, yes, you can innovate by yourself. And, you know, as a solopreneur, I do that all the time. <laughs> but having a team uh, is really make a difference because those multiple perspectives can help seeing the problem from different perspectives, come up with ideas from different positions, and then uh, develop them, implement them. So that diversity is really important and include diversity of background, diversity of experiences, diversity of race, uh, preferences, and also something that is a big topic for me is diversity of thinking. We all solve problems as human beings, but we solve problems differently. And sometimes we don't understand that the way we think about solving problems is different than other people. And that can also both create friction if we're not aware of it, and also be beautiful because we can collaborate better once you're aware of it and we see the, 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 the benefit of having people that think differently than us uh, in our team to solve problems together. 
Mm, I agree. That cognitive diversity, that diverse thought, diverse background, and even skills can really enhance that innovation journey. You know, I I mentioned, I I just love the book. I've already got notes in it. I've got it dog-eared and I've got post-its all over it because as a coach, I'm thinking how I can apply this with my clients and with teams that I work with. So give us an example. You know, once the listeners have the book in front of them, it will be more clear, but give them an example of an experience in the book that helps spark innovation. I'll, I'll offer you the opportunity to choose something that you think this audience can can learn from. You know, um, at the end of the book, there is a five-week challenges, and that five-week challenges take people to different um new experiences. And one of them that I found really powerful for myself and I want to share with this audience is the idea of opposite practices. Is whatever you do in your life, uh, whether it's physical activity, artistic activity, etc., think about what you do and think about what you don't do. Uh, and uh, find one of those activities, whether it's a one-time or it's a regular practice, that you start doing. So for me, I challenged myself last year as part of a leadership program I was doing. And, you know, I was doing a different activity. I was doing high energy activity, low energy activity, but I decided uh, my question uh, was really what scares me the most. And I found this really powerful. And what scares me the most was height and singing. And uh, so I ended up going to the climbing gym and the first time was uh, really scary. Just got to the top of that wall. But once you go over it, she's like, you know what? It's not that bad and I can do it. And that's really what innovation is, stretching it. And so often there is more fear about not knowing than we actually on that journey and make it happen. And singing is the is, is another one for me. For years, I thought I couldn't sing. I'm out of tune. I don't know anything. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to take singing lesson. And while I still have challenges making the songs because my body doesn't know how to make the songs, I learned that actually I have really great ear and I can really hear right. I just don't know how to produce a sound. And I'm still doing it. And it's really frustrating. I'm nine months in it. Sometimes I'm crying because it's so much but also because it's about your voice. But this has really transformed me in a place of being less fear of things and just go over what's fearful and then move on. And for innovation, you have to have this crazy thing or this thing that we can never do or a company will never do that. We will not even consider it and just push it and see what happens. It might not be where we're going, but have that um, consider that possibility of what if we were to do something different. I love that. I'm I'm smiling ear to ear because you may not know, but I'm a singer. So I I love that you're trying to sing. I think that's beautiful. And give it time, give yourself grace. And I'm very impressed that you're trying it. It's a journey. And what I'm hearing, Ellen, is that we need to get comfortable being uncomfortable. And we're actually expanding our comfort zone by trying new and different things. Exactly. Exactly, because innovation is about change and change is not comfortable. And that's one of the bigger challenges that even you have an organization and you come up with new things and they're like, well, we don't want to take this risk. You know, we can't do that. We're going to lose money. And we often, especially with big organization, over-focus on the risk of doing something and under-focusing on the risk of not doing something. Because in a world that change all the time, we can't, business as usual is going to be, well, dead in 10 years. So we have to change. 
And so being more comfortable personally, then you can be more comfortable in your business and in your team and pushing it and, and kind of take the risk and, and try something new and see where it goes. And there is a way to manage it so it won't be necessarily too costly, but still try it, do it, prototype, try new things. I love that. It's that design thinking concept of prototype, test, iterate. And then if you fail, fail forward and learn from it and be resilient. Exactly. And one of the big mistakes I think we do is when we fail, we just put the thing under the rug and don't want to talk about it. And failure is a great opportunity for learning. And if we embrace it, if we you know, get a debriefing, see what we learn, try better the next time, then there's really a power to that. Ellen, we'll be right back after a quick break. I'd like to tell you about a special offer. If you want to bring your podcast to life or up your podcast game, you can get up to two months of free podcasting service with Libsyn using my special code CDHWORK. The Libsyn team will get your podcast on Apple and Spotify and give you access to critical stats and all the support you need to sound your best and grow your show. Use my special code CDHWORK. Hiring the right speaker for your event is a tremendous responsibility. You need a speaker who will work within your budget and engage your audience. Whether you're looking to retain or grow top talent, create a healthy workplace culture, or prevent burnout in your organization, I can create customized content to help you recharge, reignite, or reinvent your career. Let's talk about how I can help you achieve your special event goals. Connect with me at carolinedowdhiggins.com. Ellen, I would love to learn from you what some common challenges are that teams face when trying to implement new and innovative ideas. I'm confident we've got leaders listening around the world saying, I want to be innovative. I want to introduce this to my team, but I don't even know where to start. So what are some of those common challenges? I think, um, to your point, we don't know how to start is that often we don't have a clear process, tool, and language that is shared across the team. And I'm a, I'm a process person, and I think there's so much power to a good process, whatever it is. I use a lot of design thinking in my work, but it can be lean thinking, it can be um, something else. It doesn't matter as long as there's a clear process that everybody on the team knows how to do it. And also uh, people that are skilled enough into facilitating the process. And as a professional uh, facilitator, it takes a lot of time to facilitate a good process. Like if I do, if I work with a team and I therefore have for a day, I might spend another day before to just think about how to make that meeting and that discussion and that process very efficient. So you need people that know how to do it and have the time to actually focus on the process rather than just throwing an agenda, you know, 10 minutes before the meeting and hope it will go well. And that saves a lot of time and a lot of money and it makes the process much more uh, pleasant uh, with less conflict and uh, also 
makes people more confident they can take risk because they know where they're going and there's clarity there. I, I so appreciate that because the ambiguity, I think, often is what sparks the fear. And if we have some clarity about what the possibilities are or what the journey might look like, that could be helpful. Exactly. And uh, I was coaching students uh, at house a few years ago, and one of the things I was telling them is trust the process. And it was hard for them to kind of like, oh, because it's going to get messy and it's going to get maybe some different perspective. But if you trust the process because it's clear and you know how to move things along and you know what tool to use, if this doesn't work, then there's another tool. If this doesn't work, maybe that means we need to go back to the step before and because we went too fast and maybe we didn't understand the problem. We don't have the right problem. So we have those ideas and nothing stick. Maybe we should go back to the problem. Or, But we have to have somebody that look at this and notice not being so focused on the content. And so if somebody is really focused on the content and is also facilitating, it's like editing and writing. Those can be two different skills and they're really hard to do at the same time. They are possible, but they're hard. So even having somebody on the team that for that meeting, for that step, they're going to just focus on the process and maybe their voice is going to be not much uh, on the content, but they have a different focus. And that's not something we... Um, we talk about and what we do uh, well very often. I mean, some, some team do it well, but a lot of times it's not, we so focus on this is what we want to do in six months from now, we want to have three new products that does that and that and that. And like, how are we getting to get there? What's the journey? What's the guide to do it? I, I almost liken it to a GPS. You know, we set a GPS on our phone or in our car to think about how we get to the next destination. But we don't always do that in the career world. We just expect instant success. And one of my, my favorite chapters in the book is called Illuminating Our Mind, Shining a Light on the Invisible. Would you share some more about that? I found that really powerful. And the invisible is really, uh, we don't think about how we think. <laughs> and, uh, and we don't think about how we solve problems. So if I give you a problem and I give you 15 minutes, and I say, you have 15 minutes to come up with this new product idea. Let's say that, that um, helps the cat eat better food. You're going to have a certain way that you're going to think about solving this problem. And if I give it to different people, they're going to do it differently. And that's really the, the way that the preference, it's not a skill because we learn different skills, but it's a preference for ways to solve problem. And so for some people, uh, there's four things you have to do when uh, we have to solve a problem. We have to understand the problem, come up with ideas, develop them, and um, prototype them, test them, and finally implement them. But it turned out that we have preferences for different. We have preferences for different part of it. So if my preference is about really spending time understanding the problem, then um, I'm going to spend those ten of those fifteen minutes on that. But if your preference is on uh, implementing and making things happen, you're just going to throw 20 things that like, let's just do that now and try if the cat likes to eat it. And so this is really, um, and it's, it's nice if we understand that if you and I work together and we have different part of it, then we'll be better at solving that, that uh, cat food problem. But if we don't, then it creates conflict because I'm going to be get frustrated as a person that keep asking questions about, why is that? What do we know about the cat market? What's the problem with cat health? And the other person that they just say, well, let's stop talking. Let's just do something. And so that's, that's making that 
invisible thinking visible, which I do through a tool called Foresight. And that tells you actually which preference for those four pieces of the process you have. And that is very illuminating because when you see it, you can see how, um, how you react to different things and how you interact with others. And it took me very long for myself to realize, for example, I'm a solopreneur, I have a consulting business, and my preferences in this is to clarifying, like understand the problem and come up with ideas, uh, ideating. I'm not so much into developing or implementing. And after so many years in business, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I know what I need to do to grow my business, but I'm not doing it. Why is that? Turn out is because I don't want to develop and implement those things. So I finally hire an assistant that is really strong in these areas and is beautiful. I have all those ideas. I really find opportunities and then she can take it and make it happen. Oh, I love that because you're complementing someone else's strengths with yours and together the end result is, is extraordinary. That's great. Great example. (laughs) And then it's an interesting time in the world as we see artificial intelligence known as AI influencing so much in the world of work. How, how will AI maintain a human centric approach with innovation? Is it a threat? Is it a compliment? Is it something we can leverage? What do you think? I think it's both. Um, I think there's really good things and really potentially scary things with AI. And I think uh, at this time, and don't quote me because in two years from now, it might be different. I think AI can be a great complement in the innovation team as it can really help bringing more options to the team. So when we're looking at a problem, we can find more data quickly. We can find um, things that our competitor is doing, things like that. Or when we come up with ideas, the team can come up with a set of ideas, but the AI can kind of supplement and complement it. Or the AI can be great at creating prototype, you know, because we can do the image and the text, something like that. Where I am um, more careful and potentially worry is I don't think it's time for AI to make those decisions. I don't think it's time for us to delegate our creativity to AI. Uh, and I think that that would, uh, so I really think AI as a complement, as a tool that can be a- another element to all of our processes. Uh, but I think decision-making, that is, is this so much complexity and so much knowledge that uh, it's still best for human. And I would want us to not, it, you know, it's easy to have AI writing the, even thinking about writing an article. I can put AI and say, write 10 tips about innovation and just put them on my uh, LinkedIn pro- blog. It's not going to be really good. But, and I totally delegate my creativity and my thinking skills. But if I use AI to just give me a couple of thoughts and then I bring it to an article that I already have and maybe I miss one element or I get it as a starting and then I'll create my own article, then it's enhanced my own creativity and my own thinking. So that's the way I'm thinking about it for now. That's a great example. And it's a good segue, Ellen, because I follow you on LinkedIn and you have a beautiful newsletter which just came to my inbox today. So it's perfect timing. And it really resonated with me. You write eloquently about the power of slowing down. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, and it was inspired. I spent a week uh, doing a meditation retreat at a beautiful place in Big Circle, Esalen. And it really made me think that in a world when everything is accelerating, talking about AI and the, the pace of 
change. Uh, we need to, our body is getting so much stimuli and so much anxiety, frankly, that it is also important to find ways to get grounded. And for me, it's about slowing down. So it, meditation is a great one. It can be, you know, sitting meditation. It can be walking meditation. Uh, and then when you apply the slowing down to businesses, it just might mean, you know, we go so fast. We don't even take time to observe, like observe our customers, spend a half day with them, uh, see what they're doing, really try to understand their pain and their challenges and slow down, whether they make assumption of what they're doing. Um, so things like that is how can we slow down in our business? How can we observe detail that we might notice? And then we might realize that, oh, customers, you know, that we have this app and they are doing some weird workaround. Why are they doing that? Because something is not really working, but we wouldn't know if we didn't have to stop and look at it because maybe nobody's complaining, yeah. but there still is an issue here. So that, that's slowing down for ourselves, for nervous system, and for seeing things that we never see and then apply it to your business as well. I love that. You know, sadly, I heard a statistic the other day that the World Health Organization put out that 86, 86% percent of people feel burned out as we start 2024. And I think, oh my goodness, this is the beginning of a new year and, and people haven't even recuperated from the year before. So your wisdom is so important. Slowing down to honor our bodies, our minds, and our work. Yes. Ellen, you have an incredible opportunity at, that you write about in the end of the book, and I'd love for you to tell this global audience about it. You introduce a five-week challenge. And again, what, what I love about your work is it's engaging and interacting. It's not just about reading, it's about doing it and learning by doing. So tell us about your five-week ch challenge and how this audience might get involved. Yes. Yeah, so at the end of the book, because this is all about practicing innovation, practicing uh, new things, there is a five-week challenge. Every week you explore a different part. The first one is challenging yourself. The other one you can do with a partner. The third one you can do with your team. The fourth one you can look about challenging yourself when you look at the world. And the five, fifth week is actually putting all together. And I had this idea. I'm in prototyping mode. I'm also learning. Uh, this book has been published recently. Is to let's do this five-week challenges together. Because it's like New Year's resolution is really hard to do practices by yourself. So I thought it would be really fun to offer to anybody who buy the book uh, a five-week challenge. So every week we will um, do the, 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 the week practice, which include a few activities and then some reflection. And then we have a chance together for an hour to talk about what we learned, what was challenging, new ideas, new thoughts, so we can do it in communities and really learn from each other because I don't have all the answers. Nobody has, but we have wisdom and that shared wisdom can really um, create something beautiful. So my intention is to start a five-week challenges sometime in February. So if you're interested, uh, you can um, buy the book and uh, they, uh, you can also register and there'll be the link for those five weeks challenge. So it's going to be complimentary for everybody. I just ask that you read the book so you have an understanding of the context and then you can also have the access to the practices. Oh, that is such a generous offer. And then let me tell this global audience about your gorgeous book. I'm holding it in my hand. It's called Fire Up Innovation, Sparking and Sustaining 
Innovation Teams by Ellen Kane. And Ellen, you we know that the book is available on Amazon and all major book retailers, but I'd love for you to tell this global audience how they can follow you after the show, perhaps on LinkedIn or share your website, please. So yes, you can definitely follow me on LinkedIn. You can also subscribe to my newsletter on LinkedIn, or you can go to my website, www.fireupinnovation.com. And then here you can uh, subscribe to my newsletter there. You can uh, download the first chapter of the book if you're curious and want to see if you want to buy it. You can do that. And uh, you can um, also, if you wanted, if you have specific um, place you think I can help you and your team, you can uh, schedule a free consultation with me as well on the website. And then the finest thing is if you go on the website and you go to my book page, you can actually buy the book directly on my website at a discounted rate. So it's $10 less. Oh, Ellen, that's wonderful. And of course, all that information will be in the show notes as well, because we know that our listeners are sometimes driving or walking or doing something as they listen. So rest assured that detail will be in the show notes. Ellen, what a joy to have you on the show. I learned so much from you. I love, love, love your book. And I'm grateful that you shared your wisdom and expertise with me and the global audience today. Thank you. Thank you so much, Caroline, for a delightful conversation. I wish you continued success, Ellen. Thank you. Your Working Life is now available on all major podcast platforms, and I'd love to hear from you, so let me know how we're doing. And leaving a review will help new listeners find us online. And a special shout out to my extraordinary podcast colleagues, Laura Deck, Executive Director of Publicity and Communications, and Claire McInerney, Executive Producer. Thank you for making this show awesome for our global audience. We now have listeners in 34 countries. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. Thanks for listening.